Friends and neighbors, welcome to the next episode of Around the Mat. That's right. We're going to be covering all types of jujitsu happenings, newses, events, competitions, rumors even, perhaps, as it happens around the jujitsu world. And uh, here's the way the format works. Throw them up on the screen Mr. Matt Scaff joining us here. Matt, introduce yourself. Hey, guys. Um, I don't know. I don't want to brag, but I am the returning champion. So I was the champion of week one, and I'm looking to repeat. So root for me. All right. Also joining us, Stephen Aiken. Stephen. What's up, everybody? Uh, they gave me this on short notice, so Scaff would have a chance to win one more time before they get me on here. So uh, let's go. I'm ready to go ahead and take the crown and run with it. Uh-oh. And Jamie Houston. Yes. Hello, everybody. I'm Jamie Houston. They actually called me because I'm very familiar with all these topics that we're going to talk about, and I have better-looking ears than Matt Scaff, so I will junkyard dog him and kick his ass. <laughs> Oh, dang. <laughs> dang, Jamie coming in hot right out the gate with some <laughs> threats of physical violence. I like the way that this is going already. Here's what I need you to do if you're watching. Feel free to just share this with your friends and neighbors. You got a little jujitsu group that you're part of? Share it. Hey, hey, you got a message group? Say the 10WO or a bunch of people where y'all just talk trash at the gym? Drop this link in there for them. Hey, you want to what we're doing? We got the super chats. We got channel memberships. All of this gets recorded, but it does. It's look, it's free to the public while it's live. But after the live show is over, it goes behind the YouTube membership. So you have to be a member of the channel to join. Lowest membership's only 99 cents a month. You can handle that. Show them what happens if they join. Womp, womp, womp. Bread eater. That's right. You become one of the bread eaters. Look, Stephen left. He's like, I'm not into this corporate uh, sponsorship stuff. So, all right, let's pull up the agenda and let's get started. We're going to work our way down through all of this. Now, I want to start off talking about the arm break at the UFC. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Matt Scaff, since he's the returning champion, I'm going to let him kick things off. And uh, let's go, Matt. Let me hear your thoughts on what happened in the UFC this weekend and that so, match. So big fight, and I think it was a big fight for jiu-jitsu. We rarely have seen a guy of the light heavyweight or heavyweight division pull guard. We see him come out, Paul Craig, who is a phenomenal grappler, come out against a very talented Jamal Hill. I mean, we're talking about a top 15 matchup on a marquee card. He comes out pulls guard and hits the most vicious arm break in UFC history. I mean, I have never seen a more brutal arm break than that one. There's been some bad ones, right? I mean, you think about Frank Mir, you think about what we just saw a couple of months, uh, a couple of weeks ago against uh, with Jacques Array, but this one, you talk about an arm being completely dislocated and not being able to be used. What was wild is, is that Jamal Hill kept trying to fight. He even kept trying to use that arm. That guy is an absolute savage. 
But this was a big statement for jiu-jitsu, and I would love to see Paul Craig make his way towards that title run. I think he's got the ability to possibly – I mean, we've got poor Hoskis, what, he's the champion. I think Paul Craig can find a way to become the, uh, the champion of the 205-pound division. Steven. Dude, no way. No way whatsoever. All respect in the world of Paul Craig for the guard pull to the arm dislocation, which was not a break, which is not really that bad. And how dare you disrespect Frank Mir's arm break of uh, Noguera, one of the most decorated black belts in MMA history. That was a spiral fracture. That thing took like nuts and bolts and stuff to put back together. Come on, son. What's up with that? Oh, thanks, Steven. Steven's good at this. All right, Jamie. <laughs> hey, look. Here's the thing. The ref should have stopped the match. The guy couldn't even use his freaking arm. It was turned the opposite direction. My beef is with the ref. Paul Craig, he's he's a great grappler, and thank God he's he's there and he's he's doing that pulling guard. Man, that's going to make grappling events that we all love uh, to see grow is going to is just even grow more uh, when UFC guys are coming in pulling guard and landing six admissions like that. So arm break. I think the ref should have stopped the match, um, but he didn't. And, uh, you know, kudos to Jamal Hill. He, man, dude, savage like uh, Matt said, man. That guy was not going to – he wasn't going to tap. He was he was getting choked. He didn't care. He's getting elbowed. He didn't care. His arm was sideways. Um, you know, great fight. I don't know, if, but. I don't know if it's because he was a savage or it's because he was in shock. Because when it first – when the break first happened – you saw him, saw his other arm started flailing around. Okay, he wasn't tapping. He was freaking out like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what do I do? That's what I thought. And let me say this about Paul Craig. In my opinion, this is the most pure jujitsu submission that I can remember in the UFC. Like, your boy, wow. Paul Craig, wow. the bear Jew, he comes out, he pulls guard. What more jujitsu thing is it than to come and sit and sit on the ground on your butt in front of a man that wants to kick you in the face and you sit on your butt in front of him and grab a two on one around his arm. And he threatened the, he threatened the Aoki style lock there the, or the one that John Jones hit on to that busted his arm. He kept threatening that. And that's what made him open up and swing his hips to the other side. And it, you could tell it was just something he'd done a trillion times so many times that this guy can come out here and sit on his butt and break a man's arm. And then he switched off. He, he broke the function of the arm. And then he used his jujitsu to deliver violence through his face with forearms, the way he was lifting his hip and dropping him onto those elbows. That was the baddest jujitsu moment that I can ever remember seeing. Like maybe, maybe a bigger statement to the power of what just pure grappling can do than, than even hoist Gracie. Like that's the last time I can remember wow. feeling that powerfully about wow. jujitsu in a, in a UFC fight. Cause you never see it anymore. You never see that happen anymore. The rules are against the grappler. Now they're completely against the grappler. They're in favor of the striker. We stand it up. You only got 90 seconds to work after you got the takedown. Anyway, they're going, we're going to stand it up. And the jujitsu guy says, I may have to fight for this takedown, but I can sit on my butt. And if you think you're so awesome, come on down here and show me and I'll break your arm. Dislocate. Hey, just, 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 the arm. That's the most important thing. Maybe he didn't <laughs> break the arm. He broke the function. Ask him hey. right now if his arm is broken. Uh, it might as well be. Uh, 
Hey, look, they're, here's the thing. You're talking fine. about he wasn't a savage. He was literally holding he's fine. He was literally holding his arm. He walks up to shake Paul's hand. He lets it go, and his freaking arm goes, stop. Oh, I, I don't know that. if you saw that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. He's holding his arm. He just walks up. He's just like, oh. And then the pain. I was just like, oh, my God. Uh, Egghead, I don't like where, where Egghead's head's at right here. He said, my money's on the dream winning this week. Oh, my well, God. Egghead. Egghead didn't win the fantasy, so I'm not too worried about his predictions. Oh, hey, we're here for it now. There's nothing. There's nothing holding us back now, Egghead. We're going all in, baby. We are all in. Egghead Straight would be a pretty top. good guest on this show, I bet. Definitely. Egghead might make a good a good guest. Let's roll to the next part of the agenda here. Oh, okay. I got a pretty firm opinion about this. Interested to see what y'all thought. I'm a uh, champ. Lead us off. Sanchez versus Strickland. Lay the situation out for us and then give us uh, your thoughts. So we had Sean Strickland, who is the number 11 ranked middleweight in the world. He is on a roll in the UFC. He's on middleweight's 185 pounds. 185 pounds. Mm -hmm. So he's probably walking about 205, you know, because he's got a fight coming up. He's in camp. He's got a main event coming up against Uriah Hall. That fight is supposed to take place. Oh, Scaff is out. Oh, no, 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 I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Whatever you're so, saying was stupid for sure. So, him real quick. Uh, okay. so, Drop the line next time, boy. So he's at the RVCA um, training facility. So their main training facility. And that's where Orlando Sanchez trains. So Orlando Sanchez is the heavyweight former heavyweight went 2015 adcc heavyweight gold medal but it's pretty notorious because he did not score a single point to win adcc he won all by ref's decision pretty much the most boring adcc gold medal in history but he and paul craig were doing a grappling round and there were some words no, being no, no, said no. so not paul craig Oh, excuse me, excuse me, Sean Strickland. Yeah. So him and he and Sean Strickland were doing a grappling mm -hmm. round, and there were some words being said beforehand. Tell him, okay. You don't really know what he, um, you don't, you don't really know what was being said, but you could tell there was maybe a little bit of animosity, just a little bit. And right out of the gate, they're pummeling on the feet, and Paul Craig tries to hit that Aoki style lock. Um, you know, that you saw that, uh, you know, like John Jones used that Frank Mir lock from standing from a weak underhook. So you go for that weak underhook guy aggressively punches in and tries to break your arm. We see Orlando Sanchez try it once with the intention to break the arm. Second time he gets the arm caught, definitely did some damage. And you see Sean Strickland retaliate, hits him with a spinning back fist and then kicks him in the stomach and goes off. Guys, I want to hear your guys' opinion before I give mine, but that's the situation. I got mine right here ready to go. That was 100,000% on Orlando Sanchez. He's He was being dirty. He's a world champion. He knew what he was doing. It wasn't no accident. And then the worst part is he tried to act like he didn't know what he was doing at the end. That's the most disgusting part. Like, why, bro? Why? Why, bro? he knew exactly what he was doing. And we know that because he's got a reputation of being that way of making those kind of choices. Now, listen, I don't know Sanchez. He might be the nicest dude in the world. All I got is the evidence to go on 
that I'm seeing in the video. And I'm watching it in the video, and Sanchez is 100% in the wrong. Total total douche move. I mean, it's yeah, pretty clear I, I totally, that – go ahead. Go ahead. I I'll will. let you go. All right. You, it's my <laughs> turn. You told me to go ahead. All right. So, Sanchez definitely was going hard. Yeah, it was probably a little bit of a dick move to go that hard, but I'm going to blame it on Strickland's coaches. They shouldn't have put him in there with someone like Orlando who may be known to be rough-handed, heavy-handed, who may have a big ego problem, who's in his home gym, and this UFC guy's in there who may be jacking off at the jaw to him a little bit. So I put that fully on the coaches or whoever was with Sean Strickland. They should have protected him, and as soon as things got a little bit heated, someone, someone with some experience, a real leader should have stepped in there and just got those guys out of there. It's stupid. We all know how this stuff goes in MMA rooms. If you've ever been a fighter, you're in a cage with a guy. It, it, it's, it's just you're trying to hurt each other. It's period that way in an MMA-type uh, situation. So never put your fighter that has a main event coming up in a cage with a former ADC champion, ADCC champion with an ego problem. That outweighs you by that much, too. That's Especially a great point. with that 100-pound weight difference. Yeah, see, I, it, it was a total dick move, in my opinion. A hundred percent. But what I'm surprised and what I wanted to see, I wanted to see Sean Strickland just whoop that ass, make a statement, mm. you know, stomp his, stomp him on the ground and, and hurt him, man. Here's the thing. You can't go around. I mean, how many times have we rolled with white belts and we're like, okay, this guy's acting a little asshole-ish and you have to put him in his place. Yeah. Man, Sanchez, to my knowledge, I don't know his career, to my knowledge, he doesn't have very much MMA experience, but if you got somebody like Sean Strickland that's at that top elite level, man, he should have just stomped his ass. Uh, I, I think it shouldn't have stopped there. Because in my opinion, I feel like if, if he would have inflicted a little damage on him, bloody lip, maybe had him a little shaky, then maybe he wouldn't be such an asshole to, to you know, that way and dirty that way. Maybe it'll humble him up some. Who knows? So there's a handful of moves that in the training room are just unnecessary to perform at full speed. And that's one of them. You have the sock lock or the esteem locks another. And the issue is, is I can understand. See, this is where you can tell where Orlando Sanchez's mindset was. I could understand if it was like 10 minutes, they were having a really tough round and he just wanted to get the victory. That competitive mindset kicked in and he went for an easy, quick submission to just, you know, get the victory like a competitor would. We're talking about the first 30 seconds and he did a move that can cause damage that doesn't need position. So he doesn't need to win a position. So Sean's not even thinking about tapping because, you know, it's not like he's in like, oh, Orlando just passed my guard. He's got an underhook. He's getting ready to do a spinning arm bar. We're talking about they're just pummeling for position, right? Nothing's going on. It's a very neutral position. And then you see Orlando go 100% into a move that, yes, can cause a lot of damage. Now, it's not catastrophic. I still expect to see Sean Strickland fight uh, July 31st. But, man, as a coach, you got to protect your fighter. And as a guy that's working with a guy that's getting ready, that's in camp, ready to fight a main event in the UFC, you got to be better, man. Orlando Sanchez definitely didn't represent jiu-jitsu in a good light right there. And another thing, too, is that Sanchez – they were on the feet grappling out in uh, away from the cage, like in the center of the cage. This is not a position that Sanchez could have acquired on Strickland in a real fight. So they're all all already they're at a disadvantage 
because if they were in the middle of the cage standing up, Strickland wouldn't have been trying to grapple and engage in a clinch with him. He would have been beating him in his leg or cracking him in his mouth with a jab. You know what I'm saying? So already he's already conceding to Sanchez. Here's an opportunity. I'll play in your world because I understand I'm working with a guy who's a specialist. And now you're going to try to hurt me when I came in here. I already humbled myself by not smacking you in the mouth. And now you're going to try to hurt me? Uh, unnecessary. Yeah, I would just uh, caution anyone that's saying to tell Strickland to try to just start fighting Orlando just off the cuff, though. They uh -huh. are in a cage, and if you've ever been in a cage with someone that's big and strong, if they decide to get an over and an under and run you into a wall, he probably would be able to dump him and get on top, I think, pretty easily. So, I don't know. I'd like to see a nice Orlando versus Sean Strickland the SG or something like that. Maybe we should get that set up. Yo, I'm trying to watch that fight. I would love to see that, especially after a little drink. Isn't it crazy what a, just a little bit of drama on a cell phone video, video will do for a fight? I'm I'm down to watch that fight now. I never would have considered that. Oh, I like I gym fights. I get more excited for a gym fight because it's unexpected, right? Yeah. Unexpected fights are just more entertaining. I know it's true. Man, we it's could we could main fight. event that we could we could main event that grappling event on a show that I I know that could do it. Oh, we might have to talk about that in a little bit. We got a couple <laughs> of promoters here trying to get their word out. Let's go on down the agenda here. So I think uh, we were pretty much unanimous across the board. Nobody sided with Sanchez on that one. What's the internet saying about <laughs> Out of curiosity, what's the general consensus across the it's the, like 75 80 percent in favor of Sean, like that Sanchez was being a dick, but there's a lot yeah, of either like Baja or like, no, God, it's or like UFC, like wannabes, those type guys that have never fought, but that are like, bro, if he can't stop a standing arm lock, then he doesn't need to be in the cage. Like, I you know, I've read so many people say that, and it's like this guy is getting ready to main event for the UFC. He just beat Christoph Jocko, I'll call it like a month. Like, this yeah. dude's one of the baddest dudes in the world. And you're saying he's, if he can't stop a standing arm lock, then he's not ready for the UFC. Like, <laughs> come on. Man, there's a lot of folks that watch fights at Hooters and Buffalo Wild Wings in this <laughs> world. That's all I'm trying to say. Yes. You know? Hey, and catch wrestlers, catch wrestlers too. Catch wrestlers are out in full force going, it's just a basic catch move. <laughs> just an overhook, bro. You can shut down every UFC fighter with a basic catch move. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, that is well. That was next on the agenda: the PGF and the SFC. And let's throw the Mid South Classic in there. Let's talk a little bit about these couple of promotions. I want to talk about the PGF first, since uh, you know I'm the king and that's my show. So uh, <laughs> PGF qualifiers coming up June the 26th. Uh, we already shared on the earlier podcast with Lindsay and I, we shared that we've already got, I believe it's 26 registered for the bracket at the Decatur qualifier. So it's a 170 pound bracket. The winner gets an auto invite to PGF season three. Uh, we're very, very happy with the turnout already, but we're also coming to Louisville. We're coming to Atlanta. We're coming to Austin, Texas. And we're coming to Jacksonville, Florida with these qualifiers throughout the rest of the summer and into the fall before we get to the season. So if you're a 170-pound grappler of any weight, any experience, go ahead and go to pgfhome.com and get on there and think about jumping in one of these qualifier brackets. We're going to be picking 11 more people 
to help fill out the 16-man roster besides just the winners. So, oh, there we go. The Daily Stack says, I'm registering for the tournament as we speak. He's getting on that PGF qualifier right now. So, um, any thoughts on the PGF qualifier, Scaff? Man, I, I think the PGF qualifier is going to be a great addition to the PGF. Just like the Ultimate Fighter, and especially Dana White's Fight Night. It, it gets you really excited for these guys. Like, they have an amazing performance. I mean, so many guys have had really good standout Fight Night or Dana White Fight Night Tuesday Night Contender Series performances that have gone on to be, you know, pretty big names. I mean, our buddy Julian Marquez, right, had that insane knockout in his oh, yeah. debut with the, with the Contender Series. It's going to be a great opportunity for somebody to make a name for themselves. You know, people hear qualifier and they think maybe that, oh, especially a lot of the like the really good guys, they go, well, I'm too good to do this, or I'm a brown or black belt, I should get an auto invite. But this is providing you an opportunity to make a highlight and make a statement. And that's what the jiu-jitsu community needs. We need more athletes willing to go out there and put it on the line with these big brackets. There's something special about big brackets, whether it's the NCAA tournament or you know whatever it is where you're getting to see somebody have to go through a grueling. I mean, I think ADCC trials is probably the most fun grappling tournament to watch because some of those brackets are so big and yeah. we know whoever comes out of that regardless if the names right obviously the names are nowhere near as good as adcc but there's something very very special about coming out of the adcc trials as the champion and whoever comes out of this decatur qualifier is going to be an absolute savage and somebody that we all need to keep an eye out for the future Steven, you got your promotion coming up. You got any thoughts? Uh, we'll talk Mid-South Classic while we go over to you, but any thoughts on the PGF qualifiers as a former competitor? Uh, so definitely thinking about the PGF a lot. Obviously, having been through the season, and then we did uh, a bunch of, like, post-show stuff. Uh, and, and listening to some of the stuff I've, uh, you know, listening to Scaff's podcast, the Grappling Discourse, uh, I've heard him speak about some things about, like, uh, the way that some guys have won, even like when he was talking about Orlando Sanchez. And I think I think the PGF is going to help change the way jiu-jitsu is done overall. I think a lot of people, especially in the older style, even myself, and that's why I have a hard time, we were taught that really safety first, safety first, safety first kind of jiu-jitsu to where you don't get points scored on you and you just get enough points to kind of win stuff and not really the style where people are going out to hunt for the sub to go out there and try to get the finish and be really entertaining. Uh, and that's what it takes is to be entertaining, to have it as a, like a, a spectator sport. People don't want to sit there and watch two guys circling and collar tying back and forth. Even though I've done that several times, I know it's not fun to watch it. That's why it's frustrating when it happens and I do it because I know that it's, it's just not the way. So I think the PGF is doing a, a really, really good job of putting exciting jujitsu at the forefront and, and putting it in right, right in front of the fans uh, each, each weekend. And now we're going to see it spread to a bunch of different areas. So, so I think – you know, it, it's super exciting for me. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your promotion. Uh, Mid-South Classic. It's a tournament we do here in Perry. This will be the fourth one that we have coming up July 31st. Uh, we use EBI rules, which is the 10-minute regulation and three overtimes uh, for each uh, round. And, you know, it's eight people in each bracket. Uh, this time we're going to have 135-pound max weight women and 185-pound maximum uh, weight for men. It's uh, $100 buy-in, but that's only $800. But we give the winners $1,000 each, so we throw in a little money to make it a little bit sweeter in the pot. Uh, and then we have some other, like, 
incentives for like a twister. One of our sponsors likes twisters. So there's always $100 for the first twister of the day uh, and different things like that. And I kind of started it because last year, uh, Richie came over for a seminar uh, that you guys came over for too, Brandon, and just kind of then like getting back around people and the energy and stuff after being shut down and trapped and away from everybody. I was like, man, I'm ready to start like being around competition and people that are like working hard and striving and trying to be, you know, great. And I want my students to see what that's like. And I want to start creating those opportunities here in-house. And I was like, so what's the best way to do that? And uh, I was like, well, we'll just, we'll just start hosting like in-house tournaments. And so the first one or two just kind of popped off. And so we just, we just made it a thing now where we're doing it. We have sponsors uh, like Matt Viper is going to make some sick rash guards and shirts for us this time around. Uh, they're helping us out a lot with some of that stuff. So it's super exciting. We're going to run that on my YouTube channel. If anybody's interested in uh, checking that out, just going over there. There's a bunch of old matches from people you probably already know, some PGF veterans and stuff like that, too. So just really excited to see where it grows. We may move it to a theater in the next year uh, once once we get a couple more of the logistical stuff settled out. Uh, but it's kind of nice doing it in the gym. It gives it a... Uh, like a low there's, something, kind of there's, something, um, there's something organic about the gym atmosphere, right? There's yeah, just something feels- a little bit, there's just something a little bit more, um, I don't know, like romantic almost, I guess, about doing it in the gym. It so. is. It's super small and intimate in there. There's not, there's not space for seating. So there's not like fans in there and dead air. It's just the competition when it's going on. And then our little front office area, kind of. So, it's really exciting for me, and that's the main reason I did it is because I love jujitsu and competition, so I wanted to get some to come to where I didn't have to go to it. So that's what we're doing July 31st in Perry, and if you want to see it, it'll be on my YouTube channel. We typically start at 1 p.m., uh, so yeah, we turn and burn. We don't really hang out and spend too much time. It's about an hour and a half or two-hour-long event with the two brackets. So if we need a couple more men at 185 and a couple more ladies at 135, so if anybody's watching that's interested, uh, hit me up, um, Steve Nathan on uh, Facebook or at the Dream Tempe on Instagram. We would love to have any of the you know tough competitors out that want to come try their hand. Jamie, talk to us uh, a little bit if you want to touch on the PGF, but then also talk to us about your upcoming promotion with Summit. Yeah, so man, uh, first off, I love the PGF, and it's great for grapplers that nobody knows because you guys are putting it out there. It's on YouTube. We got something to look forward to every Friday. Um, and, and you're making, you know, like some of these guys, you know, like I had uh, one of my uh, students uh, at a, a, a new breed uh, competition that saw Joe and they're like, hey man, I know that guy from, he was on the PGF the first season. And so you're making stars out of these guys. Other grapplers are looking up to, you know, to these guys and uh and watching them and it's just a great i mean it's a a a great promotion uh and the idea um you know the way your rule set is is amazing as well um uh, the the whole qualifier event man i hope that uh if you hadn't already i this would be a great idea to throw out is is to try to video and highlight some of these guys so that when your you know your season does come around boom people are already knowing this is the stud that won Austin or, you know, Decatur or whatever the case is. And, uh, um, but man, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. I, I, I love the way, um, you know, you've taken PGF and the direction it's gone. And, 
Um, it just makes it a little reality show that we all, you know, we got our fan favorites were like, ah, oh, you know, like Steven was smashing folks with his weight and I can, you know, I can relate to that. And then, you know, you got everybody that's, and then you got everybody <laughs> like uh, loving, uh, you know, uh, Elijah coming in, you know, just, you know, doing his thing. Uh, and then, um, you know, just, just picking up, you know, I forget the kid's name right now, but the one that was doing all the dirty stuff. Uh, oh, Evan. Yeah, Evan. Evan. You know, like, it was cool watching him, like, he was doing the dirty stuff, and then everybody said, hey, man. And then he got emotional about it. He wasn't trying to, like, you know, it was cool. It was just, uh, it, I think everybody could relate to the that journey of jiu-jitsu um, in that PGF season, and it was it was really cool to watch. So, Tell us about some of the stuff you got coming up with Summit. Man, so uh, for, first off, we got uh, Summit Fighting Championships July 31st in Tupelo. Um, it's our uh, 38th show uh, that we're doing. And then also we're starting, it's called Summit Grappling Championships, SGC. Um, it's going to be, our first event's going to be in Memphis. It's going to be held at the Agri Center. It's kind of like an amphitheater, um, or not kind of, it is an amphitheater, and it's stadium seating. Um, it's going to be on uh, some competition mats. We're going to have like super cool lighting. It's just going to be a really cool, uh, uh, like super fight event. Um, what we plan on doing is uh, not necessarily, uh, obviously we're not going to do, everybody's got their different styles of how they want to try to make it succeed. What we're going to try to do is, is uh, we want everybody to sell tickets, obviously to the, to the event. So, uh, we're going to pay commission on ticket sales, but we're also going to uh, encourage the, uh, each grappler to, hey, sell a minimum of four tickets. You don't have to pay to, to compete or anything like that. Just sell four tickets. That's it. And you're going to get paid commission on those four tickets you sell. So um, uh, that way the – We're going to have a bunch of amateurs, man. Yeah, so everybody can kind of work in and kind of get their own thing going. Yeah, what, yeah. Is again? What's the date on that? Uh, August 21st. August yeah. 21st. We, what we're going to do is we're going to have it set up to where everybody registers, and then we're just going to try to do the matchmaking process from that. We are um, – uh, Jesse James Wallace uh, is going to be doing the matchmaking, and I've got a lot of, uh, like, Cole Miller, people like that, that are interested in uh, doing some of these super fights, uh, some of the old UFC um, guys. And mm. um, so um, – so yeah, we're we're super pumped about it. We're not gonna do uh, um, what I hope to do is uh, at some point. I mean, obviously, um, you know, possibly do like a qualifying event at some point for PGF, maybe in the future. And then uh, anyway, we're just open to doing a lot of different things. Um, we I thought about doing a tournament style based uh, at the end uh, on different weight classes, um, but it's gonna be sub only. Um, it's going to be like the who's number one rule set. We will have judges because we're going to have a winner. Um, uh, and um, But it's going to be uh, sub only. And, um, yeah, uh, everything is going to be legal, too. I'm not going to – Word. Um, I'm not going to despair on neck cranks or slams <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, let's roll to the agenda here, Keelan. Let's pull it up. 
let's roll down to all right, Scaff. You got the next topic. I want to see what you 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 had us put Combs and Taza <laughs> on the list here. What are you thinking right here? What what are you trying to pull out of us? Yeah, so I, I think even more importantly, um, we we got to talk about this. Who's number one card tomorrow? Okay. So who's number one's up? It, it's the biggest show in grappling right now. If you're a grappling fan, you you got to be tuned into who's number one. And there's some fire matchups tomorrow night. We got Mika Galvao looking to really take over as the next big prospect. A lot, there's a lot of Gordon Ryan hype. I'm hearing a lot of people say that this kid's the next Gordon Ryan, that he's got that level of, um, you know, he's got that ceiling. But a little premature, but he's, he's going to face Oliver Taza. So he's got two big matchups coming up. He's got Oliver Taza tomorrow night. And then third coast, he's paired up against John Combs. So we're really going to find out how good Mika Galvao is. Now, we also have, we got Ty Rutolo versus, um, you know, Craig Jones. We've got, um, I think the match that so many people are excited about is Juni versus Musamichi. And, man, we, we got to make some predictions on this card. All right. So let's start with, let's make our calls on Juni versus Musamichi. I'll start because I already know. I'm going with all right. You call off the the three fights. So so so. Juni versus Musamichi. I'm going with Musamichi by submission. So this is how they uh, wait real quick, Brandon, because this is how they're doing the uh, betting lines. Okay. So this is the betting. How uh, it's pretty cool that you can bet on grappling now. I know. I wish you could do that with the PGF. I wish I knew how to do that. So you so under ten minutes is a betting line like you could pick you know again musimichi or um juni under 10 minutes submission you could go by decision so those are the two things you're really looking at so do you think it's going to be under 10 minutes or do you think he's going to sub them at all and then or by um by uh i got musimichi by sub all right i got all right i'm gonna go i'm gonna go out on a limb here with this one I think I'm going to take Rotolo by decision over Craig Jones. I know la- – I listen, I know last week that I was all Craig Jones is number two, Craig Jones is number two, and I probably still feel that way in my heart. The Rotolos are hard to beat, bro. The Rotolos are hard to beat. Their pacing is just phenomenal. Problem is he's going to go in there and engage with Craig Jones, and that usually doesn't end well for the guy. But I think – there, I think there's potential for Rotolo to really pull a big upset here. So I'd like to see what the betting line is on that. But I think I'm going to step out and I'm going to pick Rotolo. And then my other match is uh, Mika versus – it's not Combs. It's Taza. Taza. Mika versus Taza. I'll take Taza by leg lock. In this one. I just okay. – I mean, I'm just not 100% sold on Mika. Like he just lost to Tynan, or he he beat Tynan. Yeah, he beat Tynan. No, no, no. He beat Tynan. But uh, that, was yeah. that was a good match. It's in the gi. It's kind of boring, to be honest with you. The announcer made it exciting. Who was the commentator in that match? Somebody that, said who that was. Uh, yeah, it was um, – I can't remember his name, but, yeah, he's a pretty big gi competitor. Uh, well, he was good. Whoever the, the commentator was that was getting me hyped for watching that gi match, that was good. But, I mean, I think there was some controversy over the scoring in that match. Who cares? I mean, it wasn't that. Tynan's really, really good. He doesn't ever get his guard passed. He probably got his guard passed, you know. I I don't know, man. 
But I, I think I'll take Taza. I, I'm in, just in love with Taza's game, too. I think he's got a beautiful, elegant butterfly leg lock game. So those are my picks. I'm going with Taza. I'm going with Musamichi, and I'm going with the Shocker. I guess I got two Shockers right there. But I'm definitely going with Rotolo and Taza for the upsets. So Taza is actually the favorite. Taza is the he's he's, a, he's the favorite in that match. Um, but I, this is this is my feeling, right? So Taza's had a very strange year. He's won. I mean, he's really been like 50-50. I mean, we've seen him go out there and win, but he, I can't remember the last time he submitted somebody. When was the last time Taza submitted somebody? Bro, he tore ball? it up at the first at the IBJJF tournament that he went to. He subbed like four guys. Uh, well, I meant real guys. And I hate to say that, but like he's Not going sure against IBJJF. Like Taza's a top 10 guy in the world, but against other top 10 guys, he's not subbing. He hasn't subbed anybody. And he's it just seems like December, I think, by inside heel hook, right? Well, I mean, I, okay. I should say this year. I'm like thinking oh, of like really okay. recent this year. Okay. He hasn't subbed anybody, you know. It seems like his game, people are very, very aware of the inside heel hook. Mm-hmm. Everybody is training him. I mean, again, he, he got to now. He got to now. It's over. Yeah. That's out of the bag. Eddie yeah. Even Alves in his last match, he gets a deep heel hook. He has his arm in, and, and everybody was like, oh, man. Alves, you know, got his leg broken. He competed the next weekend. He actually ended up winning the tournament that Tynan, um, you know, Mika competed at. He won that Gi tournament, so his leg was completely fine. So I just think that his game, um, I just don't think he's as dangerous as he was when everybody didn't understand leg locks. And I'm going to need to see more from Taza. You know, I, I think Mika beats him. I think Mika beats him, and I think he beats him pretty pretty handedly. Um, in the next match, I think Musumichi steamrolls. Junie, I think he subs him in under 10 minutes. I think that's a pretty I think that's a pretty lopsided matchup. I just think Musumichi is the Gordon Ryan of the of small guys. guys. Yeah, yeah, he's the Gordon Ryan. Nobody can beat him. I don't think anybody can beat him. I want to see him versus Gio Martinez next. Gio's a little bit bigger. That's the that's the matchup. Him yeah. versus Gio, Gio is wants a super too. fun. Yes, talking, that is a we were talking about it in Jacksonville matchup. last weekend. He's interested in that matchup. So just to break that news out to y'all, he's trying to get down on that. Uh, Steve, well, I got uh, one more prediction. I got, oh, the, hold on. I'm the, sorry. The, 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 the big one, <laughs> Craig Jones versus Ty Rutolo. I'm man. Here's the thing. I think Ty Rutolo is the, he is the Sakuraba for the DBS <clears throat> guys. He's going to take them all out. You, he's so you're taking you're, them all out. You think he's got Craig too. He's taking them all out, man. What he did to Nikki, what he did to Oliver Taza. I mean, if you watch his match with Oliver Taza at Third Coast, I mean, he absolutely he, – he I mean, he destroyed, destroyed Taza. Didn't we he saw Cade. Didn't he put to sleep? That was Cade. No, Cade. Yeah. Not I just think, I just think the Rutolos – yeah, I just think the Rutolos are the Sakuraba for the DDS guys. I think they have the style, the pacing. They're super leg lock aware, and I think he's going to have a huge – going to pull off the huge upset, and he's going to beat Craig Jones. And I just love those kids too. They're such sweet boys. Like somebody, just, I just want to squeeze them and tell, them, tell their parents what a great job they did when I see them. All right, let's roll to Steven. Let's get those predictions – uh, Musumechi by sub, I think, I was, you know, all respect to Juni, who's, you know, top of the food chain, but I just, I just don't see how he can get through Musumechi. It'll be probably under five minutes, not even 10, uh, I would think. Uh, let's see, we'll talk about 
Galvo and Taza. I think it's going to be Taza. I think it's going to be Taza. I think he's still just better right now. I think fundamentally his jujitsu, I like the words you said, Brandon, elegant. I think it's just a little too much for Galvo right now. Maybe in a couple years when he gets a little bit more seasoned. I know we we were talking about that gi match from a little bit earlier, but I, I try not to even watch when people are doing the gi matches, especially gi matches with points, and try to see how that'll look when they're doing submission only matches. It just it really doesn't even show the same kind of style of jujitsu almost. So I, I really you know don't don't kind of count that stuff. And then Rotolo versus Craig Jones, that's definitely a a big time matchup. The Rotolos are beaten. Almost everybody that they're getting their hands on now, it's kind of crazy. Uh, they're, they're pulling off moves that people have always said that don't work and you should never try. Uh, they, so they're, they're just on a tear. But I, I just got to go Craig Jones. I don't see how you can spend that much time out there grappling with him, being aggressive without uh, – he's probably going to be able to pull off something. I think I think this is going to take a little bit more time for Ty to be able to get in there and, and be able to, to beat somebody like Craig Jones. Jamie? Man, I got Musumichi by sub. Dude, I think that everybody's going to be super surprised um, on on uh, Mikey because, man, um, he mainly uh, competed in the gi and IBJGF and, and whatnot. But in no gi, man, I, I honestly think that uh, he's just going to rip through everybody in the division and be, you know, top, top of the food chain, uh, already top of the food chain, but – He's going to be the number one guy in his weight class, uh, no doubt. Man, I love Micah, uh, uh, Micah Val. He is uh, – dude, that kid is so good, man. I, You know, like uh, I still feel like, you know, like maybe if we're like in a who's number one uh, aspect, it's going to be a long match and it's sub only. Um, I feel like, uh, like he just lost to uh, Jonathan Alves – he got swept or whatever, but honestly, that if you look at it, it looked like an IBJJF match. It just kind of looked like they just they were. It was like a boring, you know, like stalling. No, no, nobody really hunting for subs except for Gaval. He was, he was, you know, staying after it. So I really think that uh, I, I got him over uh, Taza for sure. Uh, the next thing, look, everybody's going for Rotella Brothers. I get it, but has a Rotella brother? actually ever felt man strength from a grown man like Craig Jones. Everybody forgets that old man strength, right? Craig's older. He's got, he's got maturity in his muscles and dude, he's, he got something. Yeah. And then he's, and then he's a a masterful leg locker. Look, he got that COVID vaccine uh, muscles. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that COVID vaccine. I mean, did you see the baby that was being born on his stomach? You know, yeah. when, when he got the vaccine. So that he's just a different alien. That's what I'm saying. Rotella brothers hadn't messed with him. Man, Craig Jones is going to submit uh, uh, Ty super, I, I would say, within uh, within 10 minutes. You don't feel you don't feel like the Rotellas have had their hands on grown men before, though. They Man, train I, in the Oculus room. Mm-hmm. Man, they train in there with Andre Galval, Josh Hanger. We're talking about a kid already. He did ADCC when he was 16 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah, but look, but he look how Andre Gavall feels like, and I don't think he's scared of Craig Jones. I think he took the fight with Craig Jones because he thinks he's going to beat Craig Jones. I don't think he took the. I don't think so, he would have taken the fight if he didn't think he would beat him. No, no, no. He was asking for the fight. He's been See, asking for I mean. this fight for a long time, and everybody, right? He's the one guy. He caused a meow to have surgery. 
Like everybody else tried to rip off the, their legs. Nobody else, like they had to, he had to get surgery because of that knee. I mean, dude, Ty beat Wagner Rocha. He knows about real strength or, or grown man. Strength, dude, for real. Va- C- Craig, I would say as far as like, who's going to smack you around and show you that they're a grown up. Wagner's going to do that 10 X more than Craig is. Yeah. Like as far as like banging people around and like using that man strength, Wagner's going to try to do that 10 X more than Craig. Um, let's roll to this next spy right here. What's on the old agenda? So, oh, did you, now we'll skip the cones. We'll talk about that one as it comes up closer. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this Brandon Moreno fight from the other night. Uh, so I got to go ahead and say this. I already was a big Brandon Moreno fan. I got to call some of his matches at Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds. I got to call and do the commentary for his run on Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds. So I was already a big fan. And then, you know, coming into the first Figueredo fight, I was like, man, I sure do like Moreno. Hate that he's about to lose this one to Figueredo, though. Wrong. I thought he won the fight. Like, I thought that he should have been the champion. It should, it should not have been a draw. Coming in, I still felt like Figueredo was going to beat him. Even though I had seen Moreno stay with him, I was like, well, Figueredo probably underestimated him because he, he's a squirmy little squirrely fella. And uh, he didn't think he could beat him. Now he knows he's good. He'll, have, he'll be prepared this time. Even worse. Even worse, dude. I got to say, I, Brandon Moreno – has risen to the top spot on my favorite fighter list with this performance. Like, mm. how, can, how can you not love him and his story? And the thing I love the most is the the passion. It felt like watching a sports. I felt like I was watching the end of Hoosiers and watching Jimmy Hitwood hit that left-handed jumper at the end. I love Brandon Moreno. Dude, there's something to be said for the guys that are out there that are just so hungry. You know, like you talked about the coming into that first fight with uh, Figueroa when they had the draw. Uh, and even, but see, that's what's crazy. Even without that one point that got taken away in that round, he would have lost that fight. Even though you thought he might have won or whatever we think. If it would have been for them taking a point for a low blow, he would have lost that fight. And so he wouldn't have had this opportunity. And so you could just imagine how hungry Moreno was coming into this thing. You, you, you can't put a price tag or you can't put an amount of, of anything going into a major fight like this with a guy that's hungry and is still just after his spot. And we've seen it time and time again where these champions that have held the title for a couple of defenses at least, they start to just kind of not care as much. It's hard to see it, but they just they're they're comfortable now. They they have money in the bank. They're not really quite struggling. Their kids have new new clothes. Wife has a new car. All those kind of things. You know, it, it's a little harder to get up in the morning and uh you know hit the block with some shoes on to to, to get a couple extra miles in to stay ahead. Yeah, yeah he I, said. Hey, he, look, I think that Brandon Moreno. I honestly think that when that that first fight, it was so close that literally it took his soul away. He knew that he was going to get beat when he fought Moreno the second time. He knew it because he's like, oh, my God, this guy just gave me something that I've never had before and pretty much gave me my ass whooping, in my opinion. I thought he won the fight. But the thing is, is now i got to fight this guy again. Like, i got to fight it. You know, like, I can't get around it. I think he mentally 
just broke him and uh and Moreno did because he was so confident and he was so good and just went in there and mauled the guy and uh and man I look it didn't even look competitive in my opinion. Agreed. Moreno looked amazing. He looked like he he just out I mean look the how detrimental is it when you're the champion and you know that you're you're probably about to get beat. In, in his mental state, it just screwed him up. He might have been athletic. He might have trained his butt off for that fight. But Moreno broke him mentally by giving him something that he probably never had before. And Somebody that wouldn't quit. No yeah, matter exactly. What. Exactly. That's it. That's it. So. Yeah, no, I, th- I think uh, you heard Moreno say that he started training for this fight the day after his like, – he's like, I've been training six months since I lost that title fight. I knew I was going to get the rematch. I trained six months, and people underestimate how much better you can get in six months. <laughs> the fight can look completely different. He was the much better fighter. He looked better in every – I mean, he just looked amazing. He becomes the first Mexican champion, which I think is huge for, like, from Mexico. Huge for the sport. And, man, I – Nothing but props. Um, I, I'm kind of surprised Brandon's putting Moreno to that top spot, but I think a I lot of people you. are going to be huge Brandon Moreno fans. I mean, his story, just think about it, compared to John Jones. John Jones, outside of the craziness of his life, his story is super boring, right? He's a super athlete. He's got these super athlete brothers. He's basically undefeated. I know he has that loss, but that's not really a loss. Brandon Moreno was cut from the UFC. Like, he was a nobody. Right. He did combat jujitsu because, I mean, he wasn't a star in the UFC. Let's, I'm just being honest. Like, he yeah. likes grappling. He wanted to compete for a promotion, but he did. Nobody was thinking title challenger and future champion when he competed at that CJJ. So, man, it just shows you work your butt off. You can achieve anything. You know, uh, another thing about Brandon Moreno is he has the potential to be the biggest star in the history of the UFC. He's the first Mexican champion. Now, listen, I know we had Cain Velasquez. Yeah. Now, listen, we had Cain Velasquez before, but Cain Velasquez is not the everyman. He's not relatable to the everyman because he's a, a big, scary heavyweight. He's one of the baddest men on the planet. Nobody looks at Brandon Moreno and thinks baddest man on the planet. They look at him and they think that, look, I can, I can take that guy. How can that guy be the champion? And that moves the average man to think that I can do it. Just like when Kevin Garner goes, anything is possible. <laughs> Brandon Moreno makes it so all of us can take a trip to Disney World one day. Like we all could, we all could be the UFC champion if Brandon Moreno could be the UFC champion. He's the everyman. And by bringing that for the first time to the people of Mexico, it's going to open up the UFC to a, not to a new demographic, but it's open it up in a huge way to uh, an un, uh, uh, I don't know what the right word, an untapped market, let's say. Like they really haven't di- went deep into the Latin market outside of Brazil. And so I think that this is going to be a huge, huge, huge thing for the UFC. And I think we're going to start seeing the Mexican fighters pouring in like crazy. No, And I definitely want to say, uh, going back to what Scaff was saying about how good you can get in six months, uh, mm-hmm. You can get really bad in six months, too, if you're just kind of chilling at home and not working out as yeah. much. So that, that change can be super high exponentially for one guy who's putting to work every day and one guy who's taking a couple of days off every every other you know day or two during that same time period. So that was a great point. 
All right, let's roll to the next part here. I think we're going to get down to the end. Um, I'll let Keelan tabulate the scores here. And as he does that, Stephen, I would like for you just take a minute to tell just a quick overview of the camp that you've got coming up in Costa Rica, uh, what people can expect. And if you've still got – I think you're sold out, but if you still have some spots available, kind of tell them. Well, then you don't even have to, to share it too much. You can just kind of tell them about what's going on. Listen, guys, uh, we're, we're doing a camp in Costa Rica this year in October. We'll be down there for six days. Uh, myself, uh, Miss Lindsay McCatherine, and Kyle Chambers are teaching seminars. There'll be four of them, so I'm going to teach two. We're going to have some open mats there at, in the evening at sunset, hopefully, so we can see the sunset over the ocean there while we're all getting a little extra training in. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful location at Hotel Costa Verde. What you can expect mostly is some great training, some great vibes and a beautiful location is there's monkeys and like toucans flying around dude it's, it's just gonna be absolutely insane uh we also got for the closing ceremonies we've rented a, a catamaran cruise for the rest of uh the people to come everybody on the way out so we're all you know take a cruise that last day together and just maybe hopefully see some whales like we did the last time we we're there i'm not sure what all we're going to get into but i'm super excited this is going to be our first like really really big one uh so stay tuned if you missed out for this year you see all the content and all the different things that we did this year. You're definitely going to want to get involved next time. So don't sleep on it. We sold this one out in like a week the first time. And then we added spaces and then we sold all those. And then I did a couple of homie hookup spaces and then more homies wanted to come. So I'm sorry, homies. I love y'all, but I, I literally can't take anybody else. I really can't. Nice problem to have. Definitely. Nice problem to have. So, Keelan, do you have these scores tabulated over there? I do. All right. And the winner. And still. Champion. Ah, yes! No way. He's got four uh, points. There, BMAC, you would have tied him for fourth or for first with 14, but you got pooted on, man. You pooted me at the end when I said Moreno Dude, could be the Mexican champion. No, you said that he could be the biggest star in the UFC. Yeah. And, that, uh, like, come on. Demetrius Johnson tried all he could to make a little guy be the star, and it's mm. not going to Hey, man. He wasn't but Mexican. He didn't say that. 14 points. He didn't say 14 good things. <sighs> all right. <laughs> give him his, all right. Mute everybody but Scaff and give him the screen. You got 30 seconds, Scaff, you jerk. Guys, man, still the champ. Make sure you check out the grappling discourse. Last time I did a little bit more uplifting, uh, did a little bit more uplifting talk. But today I want to talk about my podcast and I want to let you guys know that I'm going to start doing a lot more interviews. So if you want to hear some of the top guys in the sport and just average, average practitioners that train two, three times a week, make sure you check out the grappling discourse for phenomenal BJJ content. As well as everybody else on this show, we're all doing big things. Thanks for tuning in. Love you guys. So that's it for this week. You have to join us again next week. Steven, thanks for dropping in. No, man. Steven, so where can they guys. follow you? Where can they follow you? Oh, uh, here on YouTube, just look up Steven Aiken on Instagram at the Dream Team P. Jamie. Yes, everybody can follow me at uh, Jamie OFKBJJ. Um, you can also go follow uh, Summit Fighting Championships on Facebook and Instagram. Scaff. At Matt Scaff and the Grappling Discourse Podcast. And you see mine there on the bottom left of my window, BrandonMC.Ninja on YouTube. 
Facebook, Instagram. Make sure you join my group. Hit him with that Guy Dama commercial. Let's roll out. Guy Adama is the new premier offering for women's and girls grappling gear. All Guy Adama products are thoughtfully engineered from the ground up exclusively for female grapplers. Tired of wearing shorts over or under your spats? Tired of pulling your pants back up between rounds? Guy Adama spats include a second layer of sweat wicking fabric in the saddle for full coverage and protection and feature a secure and comfortable waistband that stays put even in the most intense exchanges. Competition tested and approved by women in all 50 states and over 10 countries. They have eco-friendly packaging, quarterly donations to the Ocean Cleanup Project, and exclusive graphics by world-famous Meerkatsu. Follow them on social media at GaiaDama.USA and visit their website at GaiaDama.com.